If you didn't bring a Bible with you this evening, hold up your hand real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And turn to a couple of places. Let's go to Proverbs, the 10th chapter. And Ecclesiastes, the 11th chapter. We've been on a subject for some uh, weeks now when I've been with you uh, talking about how to harvest. In uh, Proverbs 10, we'll read in just a moment, but before we do that, put up on the screen Genesis 8.22. You just hold your place there, but Genesis 8.22, we had read this, that the Lord said, uh, while the earth remains... Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Which is why we might as well get us a good coat, because we can't, <laughs> we can't believe that there won't be any winter time, because the Bible said it was going to be, right? right. <laughs> Thank God for heaters and coats, huh? But he said this is also going to last, you know, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. The uh, easy to read translation says, Uh, Verse 22, as long as the earth continues, there will always be a time for planting and a time for harvest. There will always be that. And this is a universal principle that spiritually, naturally, everything you want to talk about. The reason you, your body exists and you're in this room tonight is because of seed time and harvest. Sowing and reaping. The reason you had anything to eat today. The reason there's any wood to build your house out of is seed time and harvest. Everything spiritually, naturally, it all operates by this granddaddy, if you will, principle. Now notice in uh, Proverbs, you're holding your place there in the 10th chapter, I believe. Proverbs 10, he said this in verse uh, 4. He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand. How many know you can't uh, just lay on the couch and make confessions and everything be okay? You got to get up and go to work. Selah. (laughs) You got to get up and go do what you're supposed to do. Does your flesh always feel like doing what? It's supposed to do, oh no, 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 which is why you got to get yourself by the ear and, and get yourself in motion, right? And, and uh, But you know, you don't feel good when you lay around and do nothing either, do you? You goof off all the time, you, you feel useless and you're not, you're, you're not productive and you're not accomplishing anything, that's not a good life. So the key is to put the flesh under. Get up and get her done. That's right. Right? And if you'll be diligent, what does it next say? The hand of the diligent does what? It's a part of becoming rich. Now, there's a lot of uh, preachers and a lot of uh, theologians and denominational positions that are adamant against preachers like me and others talking about being rich. But I just read the Bible. Didn't I? Is that the Bible? And do your own study. Just look up the word rich. It's a four letter word. But it's not a bad word. It's a good word. Poor is a four letter word. And it is a bad word. It's a bad word. (laughs) 
There's nothing uh, redeeming about being poor. I know a lot of people try to make it out to be. I grew up relatively poor, and a lot of you did. And, but, and you might say, well, I, you know, I had a good life in some ways. Well, me too. But it wasn't because of the poverty. That's right. That's right. It was in spite of it. And uh, there's nothing you learned being broke you couldn't have learned more comfortably <laughs> being rich. <laughs> and I stand by that. <laughs> I mean, I, some of the old cars I used to have, I had an old car and I was going to work and I had to drive about, I don't know, about 30 minutes, you know, one way. And when wintertime would come, the heater didn't work. You ever drove a car in the wintertime when the heater didn't work? I'm telling you, you think your feet will never be the same. And I was saved, and I loved the Lord, and I prayed in that car, but now I got one. You just turn it to 72. It's got a heated seat. It's got a heated steering wheel. I think I pray better in this car. I think, I, yeah, I, I think I can praise God. I know I'm more comfortable. <laughs> Keep reading. In verse 5, it says, he that gathers in summer is a what? Wise son. Now, this is some what we're going to be talking about tonight. And uh, perhaps, I don't know if we'll get through with it tonight, but there's some real strong revelation here I believe the Lord would have us get. Said out loud, he that gathers in summer, he that gathers in summer is a wise son. He goes on to say, he that sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame. Well, that'd be a foolish son too, wouldn't it? That just sleeps right through a harvest. But if you gather, and who's going to gather it? You are. And if you gather it when it's time to gather it, and when it's right to gather it, you're a wise son. Got any wise sons in here? That's talking about male sons and female sons of God. And in... uh Ecclesiastes 11, Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 4, he that observes the wind shall not sow, and he that regards the clouds shall not reap. God's word translation says it like this, whoever watches the wind will never plant, and whoever looks at the clouds will never harvest. If you get to looking at the wrong thing, you can decide not to sow, that you can't sow right now. You can't afford to sow. You're not able to sow because of this or that. You know, if the, let's say it's, uh, whether it's offering time or whether you're just out and about, you're on the job, the Lord deals with you to give $100 to somebody and you you know, you got a hundred and you got a twenty and you got a ten. And the Lord deals with you to give give a hundred dollars to somebody. And so you get your wallet, you know, you're, you're thinking about it. And, and then you have the thought, well, yeah, but you know, I, I need gas. And I got this coming up for the end of the month and before I get paid. And so you just give them the twenty. Why would you do that? Well, you were looking at something that affected your sowing. 
And why wouldn't you, if, if the Lord didn't, now, he didn't always necessarily deal with you to give the biggest thing you got. I'm not saying that. But in this case, he dealt with you to give that bigger bill. Why didn't you do it? Because you just weren't sure he would get it back to you by the time you needed it. <laughs> Which has got nothing to do with being able to afford to do it. Got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with your faith. Do you trust him? Do you believe him or not? And if you don't pass these kind of tests, you will be stuck at a low level of supply and ability. You have to pass these kind of tests. And the Lord will deal with you to do some things that you won't see how you can do it. And you just won't be able to see how it's all going to work out. And it just won't look like you can't afford to. But I've never had the Lord ask me when he dealt with me to do something. Keith, is this a good time? (laughs) Are you in good enough shape to do it? He knows. Somebody say, he knows. He knows. He knows what's been happening. He knows what's going on now. He knows what's coming up down the road more than you do. Right? And if he deals with you to do it, it's real simple. Do you trust him or do you don't? You going to obey him or are you not? It's real simple. And man, we've cleaned out our accounts. We've, you know, I've come home without my shoes and my coat, you know. I, I mean, we, you know, the Lord will, will direct you to do things. And when he does, if you will obey him. How many can testify that have obeyed some of these things? You will be exceeding abundantly. Blessed. He's not trying to take anything away from you. He's trying to set you up for something better than you've experienced before. Do you trust him? Do you believe him? Now according to these verses, it's possible to miss a harvest. To sleep right through a harvest. Or to get to looking at the wrong thing. You know, we had our vision Sunday. uh, This February, it'll be a year ago. And uh, we hold up our vision of what we're believing to give and what we're uh, believing to pay off and what we're believing to receive personally and to do for our families and just, you know, uh, three big categories there. And uh, the enemy would try to get you to look in at the clouds, right? right. Yeah. And reasons why some of the stuff on your vision list might not come to pass right now. Because of current economic conditions, situations, on the job, at the plant, with the folks. Clouds. Somebody say clouds. Clouds. And if you get clouds in your eyes, what that means is you will accept reasons why you ought not expect things to happen now. Go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. He says, I have heard you in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I succored thee. That means I've helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. When can something good happen for you? Huh? 
That's not everybody. <laughs> if you're afraid to say it, you won't be bothered with it. If you don't believe it enough to say it and say it with some enthusiasm, it's doubtful you believe it. And if you don't believe it, you won't be bothered with it. When is God's will for something good to happen for you? Right now. That's better. That's much better. When can something happen for you? I want to know. Now. In this economy. Yeah. Hmm? The Lord prompted me before I came to church tonight. To remind you and me to get out our vision list and look at them. Because a lot can happen before this year is over. We are in some harvest time. Come on now. And there's some things that some folks have been standing and believing for and standing and believing for, standing and believing for, standing and believing for. Do not at this juncture get to looking at clouds. Well, that's a pretty dark cloud there. It may rain. It may be gloomy. I mean, you know, this is just not a good year. It ain't over. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. It's not over. The year is not over. What can God do? You know, what would an amazing month do to your year? What would two supernatural months do for your year? It's not the time to be looking at clouds right now. It's the time to stir up your faith. And say, glory to God, I'm closer to these things than I've ever been. A lot of that waiting and stuff that we've been through, we got it behind us. We're closer to some things. What am I saying? Expect. Faith is the substance of things, what? Hoped for. And that's expectation. It's the foundation of this expectation. And so uh, no matter what you see, what you hear, you don't have to know how. You don't have to know through whom or through what vessels or how. That's not your business. That's his business. What you have to do and I have to do is believe him and not be moved by any clouds. We can still reap. We can reap abundantly now in this time, in this month, in this year. So that like good things are headed toward me. Good things are happening for me. Glory to God. Believe it. Now in this time. Now. I want you to read it again. Verse 2. What did he say? Behold. Now is the accepted time. Behold. What does behold mean? Well in Arkansas it means look a here. <laughs> look a here. Now is the day of salvation. When's the time for miracles to happen? When's the time for great things that I've got on my vision list to come to pass? When's the time for Markov's N-O-W? Now! 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 Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Go with me, how about it, to Second uh, Chronicles, the 20th chapter. I tell you, well, let's do it this way. Um, go to Philippians first. Hold your place there in Second Chronicles. You know, if you get to something uh, too quick, it cannot fall right in your heart. What do you mean by that, Brother Keith? Well, Ecclesiastes said, wherever the tree falls, that's where it lays. That's deep, huh? (laughs) Whether it's to the north or to the south, wherever the tree falls, that's where it lays. What does that mean? Well, it means a lot of things. It's wisdom. But uh, I heard, oh, 30 years ago, I heard an elder minister talking about that ministering, communicating a great truth is in some ways like felling a great tree, cutting down a great tree. And uh, how that sometimes, if you've ever been uh, out in the woods or cut trees, I know I logged for a while and I grew up in the country and we cut our own firewood and all that kind of thing, but in logging, especially if you got a big tree, it's not just about cutting it. You got to throw it the, where it's supposed to go. I mean, if you don't want it on top of your truck or on top of you <laughs> or on top of somebody's house, <laughs> you got to. You don't just go out there and cut it. You have to cut it in a, such a way that it will fall in the proper direction. And out in the woods, in particular, a lot of times there's little trees little things around, and if you don't clear them out first, then the tree, you cut it, but it'll just fall into the little trees beside it, and it won't fall down on the ground. And then you got a problem. And so this minister was talking about that in conveying a great truth, oftentimes you have to cut out the little trees around it before you can lay the big tree down. And that's a lot of times what I believe the Lord's helping us to do is we, you, I'll say this and then I'll say, well, okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's go over here and cut this little tree and this little tree. And what we're doing is getting ready to lay the big one down. And if it lays in your heart, boom, it can stay there the rest of your life. A truth of God that lays in your heart and you get it, it changes you and can stay with you from now on. Can you say Amen. Amen means so be it. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, I want you to notice this. If you haven't been with us, let me encourage you to get the previous messages that we've already covered. We've already covered a lot of ground. And uh, it would help you to hear it because the some of the main principles that we were looking at is just the granddaddy principle of sowing and reaping. But how that it seems a lot of folks that do believe in sowing and reaping have are lacking in some understanding. And it's so-called word people, faith people. I think a lot of folks believe that if I give enough offerings and I make enough confessions, that's pretty much it. That's that's all I need to do to, to be greatly blessed financially and materially and otherwise. But there's more to the Lord prospering you 
than giving offerings and making confessions. That's not all there is to it. And we just got through reading these, these verses that it's possible to plant a big crop, to put good seed in good ground, and yet not harvest. It's possible to sleep right through a harvest. It's possible to get to looking at the wrong thing and not harvest. And obviously, this is after you planted something. You gave. You made confessions. But uh, many people don't even believe they have any responsibility in the reaping. And that's, that's hindering so many because it's the same thing. You know, there, there are many that don't believe they have anything to do with their healing. There are many that don't believe they have anything to do with uh, uh, being filled with the Spirit. It's just all up to God. There's even a group of folks that believe that whether you're saved or not, it's just all up to God. You've got nothing to do with it. Nothing. But no, we, there's, we have a part in whether we're saved or not. Amen. We have a part in whether we're filled with the Spirit or not. We have a part in whether we're healed or not. And we have a part in whether we reap or not. In the natural, we know. God doesn't harvest our crops for us. Does he? He gives us seed. He gives us ground. He gives us sunlight. He gives us rain. He gives us, you know, the miracle of the seed reproducing itself. But he doesn't plant it for us. Right? Everybody knows this. Nor does he get the crop in for us. And yet you got all kind of Christians believing, well, if I'll put some seed in the ground, if I'll give offerings and if I'll sow things to other people and do good deeds and do unto others as I have them to do unto me, well, then the rest of it is up to God. No farmers believe that. (laughs) They know you can prepare the soil, you put the seed in the ground, and you don't just sit on the porch and wait for the wheat or the corn to march from the field into the silo by itself. You don't wait for God to harvest it for you. And yet you got millions of Christians that are waiting on God to reap what they've sown. Now if this is new to you, don't throw it away. And don't say, well, I don't know if I agree with that preacher or not. Forget about me. Think about these scriptures. Put your nose in this book and examine it. Close, Search the scriptures. If you're sure I'm wrong, prove me wrong. With scriptures. I don't care to hear about your opinion. Scriptures. And that's why I said we've already gone over a lot of scriptures up till this point. And so if you haven't heard it, if it's new to you, please go back and get the previous things. Go over them. Look at every verse and find out because this is a tremendous revelation that can help you. If you hadn't been, you might say, man, I've been a giver. I've been a giver. Why why don't I see more? This is why. This is the answer to these questions. I'm not saying all of it. I don't know all of it, but but it's some answers. And I believe that the Lord is ministering to this church and we are going to become strong reapers. Hmm? Some folks have been pretty good sowers, but they hadn't been nearly as good reapers. But we're going to get just as good at reaping as at sowing. We're going to become proficient. And we're going to excel at reaping. I believe God would have a generation that excel in reaping. I believe it's necessary 
to, to fulfill the great commission and do what he's called us to do. In uh, Philippians, the fourth chapter, Philippians 4, he said, verse 14, Now, notwithstanding, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now, communicate refers to giving material and financial things. Affliction refers to lack. Did you know lack is called affliction? And uh, verse 15, you Philippians know in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. You know, he had ministered in a lot of places. Numerous churches had come up under his ministry. Why aren't they helping him? Why aren't they sending to him? Well, any number of reasons. But you know, it's all the more reason when the Lord deals with us to do something, to do it. Because you don't know. You may be the only one who obeys. In this case with him. With all the people that were had come up under his ministry. And all the churches. He said you. This church in Philippi. You were the only one. During this time. That sent to me. Verse 16. For even in Thessalonica. You sent once and again to my necessity. Have you ever noticed. How people that listen to God. And obey and give. Seem to keep getting used. Over and over. Uh, And one reason is because a lot of other folks won't listen. They just won't do it. So some of the same people keep getting used over and over. And actually we wind up getting some of their blessings. So if you don't want somebody to get your your blessings, you better obey. He said, you sent once and again to my necessity. Not because I desire a gift. But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Is he talking about giving? He's talking about money. He's talking about things. And he said, not just because I desire a gift, because I desire some stuff, because I desire some money. What I really desire is fruit that may abound to your account. Whose account? Their account, the people that had given. Now, what account is he talking about? Is he talking about a bank account at the uh, first bank of Philippi? What's he talking about? Is this real? What account is he talking about? Do you have an account? I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Does everybody have the same thing in their account? Well, he's saying their account's going to be affected by what they gave. Isn't it? Certainly. Now, back up with me to Matthew. Sixth chapter. Matthew 6. And 19. Lay not up. For yourselves. Treasures upon earth. Where moth and rust. Doth corrupt. And where thieves. Break through. And steal. Now that doesn't mean you can't have a savings account. Doesn't mean you can't have some investments. But do not think that you can take anything with you. And do not think and act like that 
You're going to live like you are down here on this earth forever. Because you're not. And do not believe that anything in this world is 100% safe or sure. There's no such thing as an investment in this world. A bank, an investment, a stock you can buy, a precious metal you can own. There's no such thing as a 100% safe investment. I said, well, I'm covered. I'm covered. I got gold in my basement. I got this. I got that. Hey, friend, if things got tough enough, somebody can come to your house with a gun and take your gold. What you going to do then? Now, you need to do whatever the Lord deals with you to do because he will direct you to do some things that will help you prepare for things to come. But you just need to know there is no 100% safe anything down here. And you don't want resources just piled up and doing no good. You don't want stuff at your house rusting and rotting when somebody could be enjoying it. Because Everything on this planet is like a gallon of milk with a date on it. And it's only good for a little while. Everything. Some things last longer than others, but nothing down here lasts forever. Everything, you know, is wearing out. It's, it's getting older. Your Money is losing value usually. I mean, you know, you want to uh, hold on to those dollars until they're worth a dime. (laughs) But if you'll sow them when the Lord tells you, you convert it. You convert it from an earthly account. You roll it over. And convert it into a heavenly account. Now this is not imaginary. This is not just figurative. This is real. I said this is real. When you sow something. The moment you sow it. It can never decrease in value. And you can never lose it. And nobody can ever take it away from you. And I've never said that. Glory to God. I enjoy preaching around the country, but I like coming back preaching to you. You you help me. Some of you guys have learned how to believe with me. It's outstanding. What did I just say? Help me out. Huh? When you sow it, what? It can never decrease in value. Is somebody writing this down? And what else? You can never lose it. No one can ever take it away from you. Isn't that what the master said right here? Come on, read it. 
Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. Down here, it can rust and wear out. Rust and rot. And where thieves break through and steal. Whether they're breaking through your house or whether they're breaking through your firewalls. On your computers. Breaking through is breaking through. Thieves. Stealing. And, uh, you know, we should do what we know to do to secure our stuff. But at the same time, we know, according to the master, there is no such thing as 100% security. And don't let anybody try to convince you. Oh, no, man, our stuff is foolproof. No, it's not. Maybe somebody just hadn't quite figured it out today, but tomorrow's a new day. And somebody is trying to figure it out. There's no such thing. As a 100% safe, secure investment. And uh, we should know that. And you, you see people that are just so shocked and appalled if they lose something or if they lose, somebody steals something from them or if they, something loses its value or it's worth half what it was uh, a couple of years ago. People are just shocked to the point of wanting to commit suicide. And that's so foolish because they should have known. They should have known when they invested it. They should have known when they put it in there, you could lose it. Well, they promised me. Well, Jesus told you something else. So who are you going to believe? But there is a place. There is a way. Whew. There is a way to make it untouchable. I'm glad I came to church tonight. There's a way. Verse 20, what Jesus say? Lay up. Lay up for who? For God. No. Uh-uh. For the church? No. For who? This is for yourself. Jesus is saying, do something for yourself. Isn't it? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Glory to God. You get a seed in the ground and it will never lose a dollar in value. And nobody can ever touch it. And it can't wear out. And it can't be worth less. And you can't lose it. Anybody got any seed in the ground? Come on, you got Woo! Hey! This is some good stuff. It can't wear out. It can't be less in value. Nobody can take it away from you. You can't lose it. That doesn't exist down here. No matter what somebody tells you, it doesn't exist. But it does there. Is this real? Or is it imaginary? Is it real? If you believe in God, and you believe He's real, and you believe heaven's real, and you believe the spirit realm is real, and you believe Jesus is real, and you believe what he said is right, then you ought to settle it. That's right. 
there's a way to lay up in heaven just like you can lay up down here. Let me use another term. There is a way to make deposits in heavenly accounts just like one can make deposits in earthly accounts. Is that what the scripture said in Philippians? What did he say? I desire fruit that may abound to your account, that may accrue, that may accumulate, huh? To your account. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Are there people who have treasures on the earth? They got money in vaults. They got money in lock boxes and, and safety deposit boxes. They got jewelry and gold and stuff. And they've got in their own stock. They've got investments in companies and in this and in that. And they got treasures. Are they safe? Any of them? <laughs> None of them are. The truth is they could lose any of it or all of it tomorrow. And there not be one thing they could do about it. That's the truth. But instead of laying awake at night, losing sleep over that, you should believe what Jesus told you. And it's okay to have some things. It's okay to have some investments. It's okay. In fact, you need to have something. Give him something to bless. Give him something to increase. But you don't just pile it all up down here. And you don't just have that this is the only vision you have and you think this is all there is and that's all you got on your mind. Lay up for yourself. Treasures in heaven. He went on to say for where your treasure is there will your heart be also. You don't want your heart down here and stuff that can let you down and fail you. You want your heart in him. In his economy. In his kingdom. Now I want you to notice though something. That a lot of people I think read into this. They don't say it. But they believe it. Back up. Verse 20. Some people when they read this. Without the words being there. They think this is here. When they read it. They read it like this. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where thou canst not touch it till thou diest. <laughs> That's not there <laughs> at all. But in people's minds, that's, that's there. But it's not there. Somebody say it's not there. If it's not there, why should you believe that? You got to watch about adding to or taking from. A lot of times you just need to say, I don't know. But don't assume. Don't fill in the blanks. You get in trouble filling in the blanks. <laughs> Go to Mark, the 10th chapter. Mark 10. This is the story of the rich young ruler. How he came and asked Jesus about eternal life. The Lord gave him some instructions to liquidate and give to some people. And he just choked on that. The Bible said he had great riches. 
And I'm sure the devil tried to tell him that he'd be ruined and he'd never have anything. And his money was his security and it was what gave him and his family the ability to live the lifestyle that they lived. Gave them the affluence or position in the community, etc., etc. But the Lord wasn't trying to take anything away from him. How many know the Lord is not the thief? He doesn't steal. He doesn't kill. He doesn't destroy. That's the devil. Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. But what he was wanting him to do was get his faith out of the money and stuff and get his faith in him. And get his eyes off of just down here and get him aware of heaven's economy and the way God's kingdom works. Look with me in verse uh, 21. Jesus beholding him loved him. So what he's about to tell him is love. He says one thing you lack. What you need to do is sell what you have and give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven. He didn't say you'll be broke forever. You'll have treasure in heaven. But see that didn't mean anything to him. Because he thought well treasure in heaven. I can't pay bills down here now. With treasure in heaven. Or can you? You want to believe the Bible? Or something that somebody imagined and just a religious tradition that's been passed down from generation to generation. Do you think when this rich young ruler went away sad and didn't do this, did he have a legitimate reason to disobey the Lord or did he miss God majorly right here? He missed God. Why? I can think of numerous scriptures right now. Proverbs says, if you give to the poor, you lend it to the Lord. And he will repay you. There's no way he would have liquidated and given all this and been broke the rest of his life. No way. No how. This is sowing. This is investing. According to Philippians, what would he have? According to Jesus, according to that passage there, he would have a huge amount in his heavenly account. Where thou canst not touch it till thou diest. Huh? (laughs) Let's get rid of that once and for all forever. How many would accept whatever Jesus would have to say about this? If he said it affected you here and now, would you believe it? I want everybody going on record. Now, if Jesus himself said that putting something in your heavenly account would affect you in this life, meet needs and bless you in this life, would you accept what he said? Would you? Okay. Got you on record. This is being taped and recorded. (laughs) When the rich young ruler left and would not do this, he would not liquidate, he would not give. Uh, Verse 28, Peter said, he began to say, lo, we have left all and have followed you. We have left everything. They did. They walked away from their fishing business. They walked away from their, their stuff. And they followed him. They just saw somebody who wouldn't do that. 
And Peter said, well, Lord, we did. Verse 29. Jesus said, verily I say to you, there is no man that has left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospels. Verse 30. Verse 30. Verse 30. Red letters. Head of the church. But he shall receive a hundredfold now. 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 In this time. Spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings only. Houses. 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 I know that makes some religious folks mad. It makes the devil mad. Which is why I'm going to say it again real loud. (laughs) He shall receive. A hundredfold. Now in this time. Houses. Brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands. That's not heaven. That's not heaven. That's here. That's here. With persecutions. (laughs) What does that mean? Not everybody's going to be happy about it. You mean some folk would persecute me about my houses and lands? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Especially if you're a Christian, you're a believer. Especially if you're a preacher. (laughs) But are you willing to take some flack for a hundredfold? So you can almost feel some folk going, I just don't know that I believe. You don't know that you believe what Jesus said. Watch what you're doing now. Do not choose the tradition of denomination over the plain, clear words of the head of the church. Please, brother, whether you understand it or not, do not take sides against the master. Just say, well, glory to God, it's true. Maybe I don't know how or wherefore, but if he said it's got to be right. And begin to let your mind be renewed and opened up. Come on, are you listening, child of God? Begin to let something happen in you. And do you know how you can tell if you're coming into some new places in God that you've never come into before? There'll be an excitement begin to burn down in your spirit that there's some light, there's some truth making me free. When you give, it includes giving to the poor. It includes giving for the gospel's sake. He mentioned those two. When you do that, according to Jesus, it's not gone. It's converted. And it is placed in your account in heaven. And the moment it's deposited there, when you gave it, from that moment on, it can never decrease in value. You can never lose it. Nobody can ever take it away from you. It can't rot. It can't rust. No matter governments rise, governments fall, generations pass, doesn't matter. 
But this is the big question. Can my account in heaven affect my life down here? And we should be beginning to see, yes. Yes. Go with me to 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. 1 Timothy 6 and 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. Everybody say lay hold. Lay hold. hold. Now, we saw a couple of times already that Jesus said lay up. Lay up. Don't just lay up in the natural where you can lose it. Lay it up in the heavenlies. Lay it up for yourself. Here he says lay hold. You need to believe in two things. Laying up. And laying hold. Do you? You believe in laying up? Do you also believe in laying hold? Does laying hold. Has something to do with faith. And faith. Requires a fight. Why? Because. You got what you see. And you got what you feel. And you got all the stuff. Going on in this realm. In this world. And if you are moved by what you see. And don't see. And hear and don't hear. And feel and don't feel. You will not lay hold. You'll look at the wind. And you'll look at the clouds. And you won't lay up. And you won't lay hold either one. Faith. Has to be fully persuaded. And faith. Perseveres. Doesn't it? Faith is unmoved. But what's happening around me? Faith is unmoved. Even if you lose your job, you can get bitter like so many have. You can get bitter and go, I gave 18 good years of my life to that company and they just throw me out like the trash. That was my retirement. That was my, none. that was my, and you were wrong to ever look at it as your source and your retirement. You are being foolish to think anything down here is secure and safe. And if you'd had enough of your heart and faith in God as your source and in your treasure in heaven, you'd know that no matter what, you're still going to be all right. You're still going to be fed because you still got the same source as you had when you're working on the job. And that job never was your source. It was just one of many channels that God used to get things to you. Unless you fixate on it and make it your total source. And if you do, then you have limited yourself to that. And if it's taken away from you, you can even lose your identity of who you are, what I am. No, no, no. You were never that job. You're a child of God. You have a future far beyond that job and that little company. You have a future far beyond this life. You're not just an employee of such and such. You are a child of the Most High God. You're being groomed to rule and reign with Him forever throughout eternity. He's well able. 
to get you a better job or a better situation. Do you believe it, saints? Everybody said out loud, my job is not my source. It's not my source. That way, if you ever lost it or if the Lord told you to leave it, then uh, you're not going to fall apart. You're not going to lose your identity, lose yourself. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And if your heart's in God, and your heart's not on things down here below, but on things above, not just in the present, but in the future, you're secure. You've got an anchor to your soul. While other people are falling apart, you're going, hey, the main stuff hasn't changed. God's still on the throne. The word's still true. Not time to fall apart. It's time to get something better. Right? <laughs> Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world not to be high-minded, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. Isn't that what we've been talking about all night long? Don't trust in that stuff. Thank God for some money and stuff, but you're foolish if you think that's your security and that's your stability. Nothing down here is sure. It's uncertain. But trust in the living God. He's the one who richly gives you all things to enjoy. He uses all kind of vehicles to get it to you, but it's coming from him. If it's good, if it's a good and perfect gift, it came from him. And he wants you to have stuff, not just your basic needs to subsist. He wants to give you some stuff to enjoy. I own some stuff. I got some stuff in my house. I got some stuff in my closet, in my dresser. It serves no other purpose in the world except I think it's pretty. I like it. I enjoy it. And God is not a bare, bleak, Spartan, scrimping God. Have you ever read about heaven? Why didn't they pave the streets with gravel or asphalt? (laughs) Why didn't they make the walls out of cinder blocks? And jewelry... We see the head of the church, not just a little ring, he's got a great big giant gold band across his chest. That's pretty flashy, huh? I think some folks are just going to, they go, the angels are going to have to pick them up and revive them when they get to heaven. They're going to look at all that, and they believed all this junk for all, all their life, and they're going to see the splendor, the magnificence. You talk about over the top. Heaven is heaven and the Lord said pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven now we're not going to experience the fullness of that but we can get a taste try to get acclimated a little bit so it's not such a shock to our system when we get I lost somebody Uh, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, 
And in all this giving, what's going to happen in verse 19? In all this giving, what are you doing? You're laying up in store, again, for who? For yourself. A good foundation against the time to come that they may what? Lay hold on eternal life. Now, eternal life is not just existing forever. It is a quality of life. And you don't just get it after you die. You have it now. When you're born again. You have eternal life. And the way, the reason you have it is because you laid hold of it by your faith. You believed you received Jesus. And you believed you received this eternal life. And what we must learn is that's not the last time you lay hold of eternal life. You can lay hold of eternal life and be healed. You can lay hold of eternal life and be filled. You can lay hold of eternal life and get your bills paid. Everybody say, lay up and lay hold. Say it again, lay up and lay hold. Did Jesus say, now in this time? Meditate on that now. Don't let that get away from you. Because the enemy will try to rob you of this. Let's go back to it. Go back to Mark 10. If we spent the whole night on this. But it got in us in such a way that it never got out of us. And it actually changed the way we thought and lived. It would be well worth camping on all night. And then some. Mark 10. He told him that if he would do this, if he would give like this, he would have treasure in heaven. So Peter and the others want to know in verse uh, 28, Mark 10, 28, well, we have left everything. We did do what you asked us to do. What about us? What's going to happen with us? And verse 29, Jesus answered and he said, is he no respecter of persons? Is is he the same with anybody? Would he tell you the same thing? Yeah. If you asked him today, would you say, Lord, well, I've given and I've sown. And what about it? Mm-hmm. You said that I'd lay up treasure in heaven. How does that affect me? How, how does that benefit me? What does that do for me? Could you take these words to yourself personally? Yeah. He said, verily, I say to you. Well, what does that mean? If he said it, it's true. Yeah. But when he prefaces it by Verily, how many of you, heaven and earth will pass away, but this is true and will always be true. I say to you, there is no man, nobody that has left house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this Time. And we read the list, and included in it was houses and lands. Right. And in the world to come, mm. eternal life. So when you give and you lay up treasure in heaven, when does it benefit you? Yeah. Now in this time yeah. or in the world to come? Oh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, both. Oh, come on, somebody say both. Both. 
both. Both. It benefits you. Yeah. And see, much of the church world believes. Oh, they, they thoroughly believe. Completely persuaded. That you give to the poor. You help the gospel preached. You will have reward in time to come, in the world to come after this life. They thoroughly believe that. But they do not believe. It would help them pay their bills down here now. Or change their life in any material way down here now. They don't believe that. In fact, they'll fight you about that kind of thing. Which means they don't believe what Jesus just said right here. Because what did he say? Verse 30. Mark 10.30. Look at your neighbor and say Mark 10.30. <laughs> Come on, tell somebody else. Mark 10.30. Mark 10.30. New Testament. Red letters. How many of you don't believe this? How much of a Christian is you don't believe red letters? Mark 10.30, he shall receive a hundredfold. <laughs> I heard a sacred cow go, <laughs> we hit another one. Didn't we? we hit another one. <laughs> oh yeah, we run right over a sacred cow then. <laughs> but certainly the devil would want to convince us that nothing we're doing in our giving and sowing is going to affect us. Why? Because what are we going to do with all this hundredfold harvest? We're going to preach the gospel around the world. We're going to help. Of course he wants us broke. Of course he wants us believing. We're not going to have anything. Because us having resources makes us much more of a problem for him. Much more of a threat. Now in this time, skip down to the end of the verse, and, and in the world to come, eternal life. And he talked about laying hold of eternal life. Think about this. What would you think about somebody? Very diligent. We read our scripture, the hands of the diligent be made rich. Hard worker. I mean, from the time they got out of school, got out of college, whatever they're training, they went to work. They work always on the job, always, early to late. And when they make money, they don't blow it. They take it and deposit it in the bank. I mean, they, they just spend just what they have to, and they deposit the rest in their checking accounts, in their savings accounts. Year after year passes. Five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And they're still living tiny little junky house. They're still driving a 30-year-old wore out in ill repair car, wearing threadbare clothes. And you come by and see them in their little narrow cramped place and they're crying. I said, man, what's wrong? I'm tired of living like this. <laughs> tired of living in this bad place and driving this terrible stuff. And he said, man, I don't understand. I thought you made good money. I do make good money. Got another raise just three months ago. 
And what do you do with all that money? I put it in the bank. You've been putting money in the bank for these last 30 years? Yeah. Well, man, you must have a lot of money in there. I better have a lot of money in there. <laughs> well, you got all this money. Why don't you draw some out? I don't believe in that drawing out. <laughs> no, sir. That's an error. That's an error. That's false doctrine. I don't believe in drawing out. <laughs> you don't believe in drawing out. No, sir. I'm X amount of persuasion Christian. We don't believe in drawing out. Our main preachers have had meetings about it and discussed it at length. And we don't believe in drawing out. You don't believe in drawing out. No, I just believe that the bank knows what I need. And in their own good time and good way, they'll give it to me. (laughs) Now you're laughing. But that is spiritual reality for millions of good church going people. Even people get mad at God. God, this don't make sense to me. That guy over there, he ain't been saved three months. And you helped him get a new car? And I've been a faithful Christian for now on 40 years. <laughs> and I'm living like this. God, when are you going to do something for me? I've been a laying up. I've been giving. I'm a tither. I help the poor. God, when are you going to do something for me? Does anybody remember the story of the prodigal son? Yeah. Sounds just like that, doesn't it? You remember when the baby boy took his money, went off and blew it, partying, wild living, finally came back home and told his dad, you know, I'm not fit to be your son. I just want to be. But the father wouldn't hear it. He brought him in, put the, the high dollar robe on him, put the fancy ring on his finger, threw a party for him, killed the fatted calf. You remember that? Yeah. And the elder boy, he came in from the field. He hears music and dancing, and he wouldn't go in. And the father came out to him and said, son, come on in. Your baby brother's come home. He was dead, but he's alive. We ought to rejoice. And he said, I've been here with you. I've worked with you every day. Everything you told me to do, I did it. And here he takes and blows all your hard-earned money and comes in and you kill. You never gave me anything. You never gave me a little kid of the goats so I could have a little something to do with my friends. You never gave me anything. That was a lie. Have you read the passage? That was a lie. It said when he distributed, he gave to them, them, his inheritance. And here he is doing without. Here he is raking by, scraping by, disgruntled, waiting on the father to do something for him. Why? Because he don't believe in drawing out. (laughs) I know it sounds funny, but we got millions of church going people that adamantly don't believe in drawing out. They just believe it's up to God. 
And yet all these things show us otherwise. But tradition has blinded minds to see this. He said, son, you're always with me. I know that. I know what you do. How many of the Lord knows what we do? He, no way he's going to forget what you've done. He said, you're always with me. All I have is yours. He didn't say, I'm going to give you something. I'm sorry. I hadn't been more attentive. I will do more for you in the future. No, no, no. Everything I have is yours. You look back in the previous verses. He gave it to him when he gave it to the younger boy. Right. What, what else is he saying to him? Boy, you could have had a robe any time. You could have helped yourself to the jewelry box any time. You could have had a party every other night if you wanted to. Right? It was yours, but you didn't take advantage of it. You didn't lay hold of it. My father in the faith, uh, Kenneth Hagin, said years ago when he first went into the ministry, actually he'd, he'd pastored a little while and then he's out on the road. But being out on the road and not having a regular salary from the church, and he said also the church was bringing them food all the time and and the church would buy them a new suit and a new dress to send them on their conventions. But, but now he's out here on the road. and He's got all these extra expenses. And he's got no regular income. And in just a few months, he started going in the hole. And after being out on the road for some time, he, he said he, he got so tough, he, he fasted and sought the Lord for, I think it was three days, he said. And just because something's got to happen here and he needs to know what to do. And he said, Lord, uh, I obeyed you. I left my last church and, and I've gone out here doing what you told me to do. But I, and, you, and you said if I was willing and obedient, I'd eat the good of the land. And, and I'm not eating the good of the land. My children are not adequately clothed and fed. I'm behind on all my bills. I, I'm not making my budgets. Lord, help me. And he'd been praying like that. And, and I won't go into all the details, but he said uh, the Lord spoke to him during that time. And told him to stop praying about money the way he had been praying about money. Brother Hagin's got a little book, I believe it's called uh, How God Taught Me About Prosperity. A little mini book. I recommend it to you. And he, he goes into that uh, testimony in that. He said, uh, the Lord told him, stop praying about money like you've been praying. What's he been doing? Pleading. Trying to get God to help him. And the Lord says, stop that. Did you know believers are not beggars? Begging is a sign you're not believing. If you're believing, you're not begging. If you're begging, you're not believing. He said, don't pray about money like you've been praying. He said, the money you need, the currency, is here in the earth. But he said, claim what you need. Now, let me stop here. Based on what? Why would you have a right to claim? Because you've been laying up. And one of the reasons that the Lord deals with us to sow at specific times is because he knows what's coming up down the road and what we're going to need. And if we obey him when we get to it, he will remind us of what we sowed. And we'll have confidence to go, man, I got seed in the ground. I got I got a right to claim this and believe this. He said, quit praying about money like you've been praying about money. Another way of saying that, quit begging me for it. 
Quit asking me for it. He said, claim what you need out of this world system. Claim what you need. You need X amount for your budget? Claim it. I'm going to interject a little thought here. Round it off on the fat side. (laughs) You can always use a little extra. Huh? (laughs) If it's $385, just go ahead and round it off to $500. (laughs) Round it off. Claim what you need out of this world system. Say, say, Satan, take your hands off my money. I claim $500 out of this world system. I claim it. I believe I receive it. What, what is that? It's making a withdrawal. I said it's making a withdrawal. I know a lot of folks don't believe that. And that's why they're not bothered with it. But it's how this church operates. It's how we've been operating from day one. Every time something comes up, I don't just do it off the top of my head. Phyllis and I don't just do it off the top of our head. We pray. We seek the Lord. And we endeavor to obey Him when He deals with us to sow. But I'm seeing it clearer and clearer. Every time He's dealing with you to sow, especially when He deals with you to sow big, go ahead and get excited because He's setting you up. And so when you have sowed it, you took it out of this dangerous world system now. Come on, are you listening? And you got it in God's hands where he can protect it and where he can multiply it. Do you have an account in heaven? Go back to Philippians. You need to look at it again. Philippians 4. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's so simple, and yet the devil has fought this. Oh, he's fought this. When you see people get upset, so upset over stuff like this, there's more going on than just natural things. Why would they get so upset? Why would they care what we believe? Huh? Why wouldn't they just say, oh, bless their ignorant heart and forget about us? No, it's because the devil is scared they might believe it. And there are a lot of good folks that, you know, they, they're not, you, they wouldn't call themselves word and faith at all, anything but. But they are good people and they love God. If they ever get a hold of this, I'm telling you, they will shake the earth. They will break out because they are givers. Man, they have given. They have obeyed. They have sown time and labor and material. And the devil does not want them to ever see that they have any right or can lay hold of that in this life. Because they won't just blow it on their self. They'll preach the gospel around the world with it. They'll help the poor on every continent. Which is why we're going to keep preaching it. (laughs) Persecution and all. We're just going to keep right on. Preaching it. What verse was that in Mark? Anybody remember that verse? We're not going there. I just asked you what it was. Huh? What verse? That, if nothing else, that is enough reason for you to believe that your sowing affects you and benefits you in this life. Mark 10, 30. Philippians 4, are you there? Philippians 4, 
He said they, nobody else had given to him in this particular time frame except for them. And they had given to him, sent to him once and again, repeatedly, in his necessity. Verse 17, not because I desire a gift, Philippians 4, 17, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. He's telling them their, their giving is going to cause their account to abound. Verse 18, I have all and abound. I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Isn't this a wonderful thing now? Instead of losing what you gave, it's able to do two things. It's meeting his needs, but you didn't lose it. He's spending the money on what he needs, is taking care of his needs, and yet you still got it. In your heavenly account. You didn't lose it. And you took it out of this world system where you could have lost it. You'll never find a better deal than this. He said, it's an odor, that means aroma, a fragrance of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Here's a third thing it did. Paul is spending it. It's in your account multiplying, and God is smelling it. God's going, I like that offering. I like that offering. You could almost hear another mood just then. I mean, does God smell offerings? It's fragrance, sweet smell of a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. When we give out of love and out of faith and people's needs are met and people's pressures and burdens are lifted off of them and, and their visions and their dreams are able to be fulfilled and come true, they're enjoying it. It's in our account. And God's going, ah, that's nice. I like that giving. I like those offerings. That's a sweet smell. This account, do you have one? Have you ever given? Have you ever given toward the preaching of the gospel? Have you ever given to help somebody that had needs? Then according to these scriptures, would you accept it that when you did that, that was deposited in your account now? You have some. Wonder what's in your account. How much is in there? Some of you have been given in offerings and given to people for 30, 40, 50 years longer. How much is in that account? How much? Now you got to go back to Mark 10.30. Go back. Go back to Mark 10.30. How much is in that account? Wonder how much is in that account. What's available in that account to draw out? Jesus told the rich young ruler, give it and you'll lay up treasure in heaven. Didn't he? And uh, Peter said, well, Lord, he didn't do it, but we did it. What about us? 
What about this account in heaven you're talking about? What about it? And Jesus said, verse 29, there's no man that's left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospels. They started off talking about money, didn't they? Jesus has expanded it through all this because it covers anything you could sow. Verse 30, but he shall receive exactly what he sowed. What if somebody told you, you invest that money in here, it will guarantee you a 30% return. (laughs) You'd see people flocking all over. This is beyond that. He shall receive a hundredfold. There are so-called word and faith people who don't believe this. I've had people who told me, don't preach that in my church. When I came there, they said, don't preach that hundredfold. I said, okay. (laughs) Well, why would they say that? Because they're choking on it. I said, it just seems too big for them. Selah. I want you to read these words with me very carefully. And remember, I didn't write this. And no other denomination came up with this. Tell me who said this. Read it out loud with me. Jesus said what? He shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. (laughs) Jesus, the head of the church. Let's go over it again real slow. What did Jesus say? He shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. And some folks say, well, I don't believe it like that. Well, you won't be bothered with it. These signs only follow those that believe. But now don't try to lock it down in how you think it can happen. The Lord is far wiser than you are. And you just do what he tells you to do. And follow him. Seek first the kingdom of God. You're not seeking first houses and lands. You're seeking first the kingdom of God. But if you'll do it, then you have laid up treasure in heaven. Where can't rust, it can't rot, thieves can't touch it. And the Lord will have something working for you. And if you stay on his path, you will enter Accept it and intersect it. You won't intersect it if you don't stay on the path. If you get off the path, you'll never know what he had planned for you. But if you stay on the path, you'll intercept it. You got time for a story or two? Phyllis and I left Laurel Hill, Mississippi. I said, never heard of Laurel Hill, Mississippi. Well, we used to have a store. <laughs> One store. And we had a trailer, a mobile home, and we're thankful for it. But it wasn't a nice new one. It was an old one that somebody else had already worn out. Well, price was $3,200 for the house. 
The whole house. <laughs> Gives you some idea of its condition. But it's all we had. And we left that at the Lord's direction. Just walked off and left it. And launched out into we did not know where. Didn't know, didn't know where we'd live. And the first few weeks that we arrived in uh, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma to attend Rama, we didn't have enough money to pay for our registration and find a place to stay. We just knew we were supposed to be there and couldn't find a place, couldn't find a place, couldn't find a place. We're spending our money on hotel rooms, motel rooms, and uh, finally found a place. It was furnished in early junk. <laughs> but it was a place to stay. It was down rough, rough part of town where stuff is cheaper. And we stayed there and we did what the Lord told us to do. And then we got a better apartment. And then we got a better apartment. And then we got a little rent house. Talking about 10 years. Everybody say 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. But we didn't just leave. Uh, not only do we leave the, the trailer, I left my hot rod and my dog. That dog rode in the back of my truck, caught my Frisbee. 37 Ford Coupe, my hot rod. I had worked on it for years. And the Lord dealt with me, walk off and leave it. How many know he told the fishermen, come on, follow me. And they left everything. Didn't the Bible say they left everything? Mark 10.30. Read it again. <laughs> read it again. Verse 29. Back up read verse 29 again. No man has left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, children, lands, for my sake and the gospels. What will happen? What will happen? He shall receive a hundredfold. Now. In this time, including houses and lands with persecutions. Well, 15 years passed. Everybody say 15. 15 years passed. And Phyllis and I were believing for a house, a nice house. We believe we got seed in the ground. We've been sowing all that time too. Different ways, different things. And we drove through this place and there was this outstanding white stone ranch style house that covered an entire part of a block. It just kept going. I mean, you couldn't see that there's a curve in the road. House kept going around the curve. Tennis court, swimming pool, six car garage, marble floors, on and on. Nice. There was no sign on it. Nothing. But we both were prompted. And it's just what we've been looking for. Better than what we've been looking for. <laughs> By quite a bit. And <laughs> what are y'all laughing about? And we looked in and it was empty. There was no sign for sale or anything, but it was empty. And the Lord prompted us, find out about this place. Well, we had to go out of town just the next day on a meeting, but Phyllis had some contacts about real estate and so she checked into it and come to find out a bank owned it. 
And there was reasons why it couldn't be for sale. It was in the middle of some stuff. And, and the Lord dealt with us. But by that time we were in the meeting. We are out of state. Uh, the Lord dealt with me one afternoon before service. Make them an offer of this. And it was a pitiful offer. Make them an offer of this. We made them an offer. They came back and took it within $10,000. Of that offer. I had to pull my chin back up. And, of course, we didn't, we didn't have that either. <laughs> but if the Lord directed you to say it and do it. So we said, yes, yes, we believe it's right. Start that way. Well, we needed X amount of money to close and X amount of money to, to do this and that. And I won't go through all the details, but this happened and that happened. And it was time to close. And we, we were in the parking lot of the bank to go in and didn't have everything we needed. And the phone rang. Cell phone. Thank God for cell phone. <laughs> and it was somebody letting us know that they had just sent something to us that was more than enough to cover that. And so we could get out of the car and just act cool like we, <laughs> like we had it all the time. We moved in that house. So nice. So comfortable. We entertained numerous ministers. It had a just neat place. The back was like this whole, uh, it just, it had pavement all around the pool, outdoor kitchen, and we could entertain. We, we blessed a lot of folks like that and they were so comfortable and sitting out there kicked back and we talk about the things of God and, and uh, we'd been in there just a few weeks and the Lord prompted me he said I don't mean I heard a voice he said brought to my mind he said did you notice when this house was built no went back and looked it up it was built it was began, began to be built the very time we said yes to come obey him. <laughs> and you'll never tell me that house wasn't at least a hundredfold <laughs> of that Marriott mobile home <laughs> that we left. It must have been just way more than a hundredfold. And not only that, Friends, brothers, sisters, in the thousands. I'm looking at some of them. It doesn't always come by a quarterly check that was multiplied hundred times a certain amount. God's smarter than that. When he gives you a house at a fourth of the price it would take to get it, he gave you more than the balance of the amount because you saved all the taxes you'd have had to pay on the income and the insurance. Come on, are you listening? I mean, God is smart. He's smart. But you will reap. Put it back up. Mark 10. Mark 10, 30. How many believe the words of Jesus? Are you going to let some religious idea choke you? Are you going to let somebody that's upset about prosperity rob you of this amazing thing that Jesus has said? 
Or will you just accept it when you can't understand it or you may not have a clue how this could ever happen. Will you just say Jesus is right. What he said is right. Whether you understand it or not, what he said is right. And it does not, doesn't all happen in a year or two. Or even in five or ten. But say it out loud. He shall receive. He shall receive. A hundredfold. A hundredfold. Now. Now. In this time. Skip down to the bottom. And. And. You ever heard of a better deal than this? And. In the world to come. Eternal life. That doesn't just mean existing forever. That means life. A thousand years from now, people will find you in heaven and they will say, thank you for sowing that seed. That word got to me because you were a word sender. That thing got to me. The gospel got to our country. Come on, are you listening? That seed is going to be rewarding you and benefiting you from now on. In the world to come. Eternally. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say glory to God. Stand on your feet. Thank you Lord. If you get to thinking about this. And get excited tonight. And jump out of your bed. And run around at a time or two. That'll be just. That's good. That's good. It means you really believe it. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and thank him. Let's lift your hands. Tell him you believe this. Tell him you believe it. Oh, Lord, we thank you, we praise you. Lord, we glorify you, we magnify you, we praise you. Oh, Lord, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today, free of charge, by the partners of More Life Ministries, and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.